for me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt, or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. Why do so many people think the church is hypocritical? That's a good question. We're going to answer it today on Your Next Step. We're so glad that you're with us. I'm Pastor Doug McCoy, our lead pastor from the church next door. Pastor Doyle Jackson is here. We're talking hypocrisy in the church, Pastor Doyle. Yeah, I think that the reason we're able to be hypocritical is because sometimes we don't know what we're supposed to look like. Okay. You know, we we fail to see the picture that God has for us. Yet the world knows what we're supposed to look like. The world knows, well, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't have a foul mouth. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be lazy. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be unkind to your neighbor or your family. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be drinking all the time. You see, the world knows the way we should behave, but I think the church doesn't understand all that God has done for us. And so today, we're going to talk about the seven pictures of the church that, that Paul gives us in the book of Ephesians, and then we're going to talk about how God transforms us into His image. And so it's really powerful stuff. Yeah, I uh, like what you have here, these uh, seven pictures from Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians, of course, a general letter just meant to, to go to everyone. Yep. Uh, all the letters were, but this one was really just meant to go to everyone. It wasn't specific at all. It's it's much more universal. And so here he gives us seven ideas of, of what every church is supposed to be. Yeah, the church has matured by the time... They, they realize now that these letters that they've been writing have gotten circulated. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we, we send somebody a letter. We didn't know that someone else was going to share it. Well, that's what happened. And this is really cool. Ephesians went viral. That's right. And uh, we're glad that it did because it's going to teach us about the church. You are listening to your next step. If there's been a, a problematic point in the body of Christ in America in my lifetime, I'm just going to share my opinion on this. You don't have to agree, but I think I'm right. I've lived long enough now and I've watched it. We sold American Christianity on an idea that if you would come forward and say a prayer, you would be a Christian. And I want you to know that's essential, that's important, but that's the first step. The transformed life is what has to take place after that. It's to keep coming and being transformed by the Word of God, the cross of Jesus Christ, and the community. And the church selling people on an idea that you're a Christian now, and that you're covered in God's grace, and you can do whatever the H you want to, is garbage. You cannot, because that old nature says, I get to do whatever I want to, but the cross of Jesus Christ says, no, there is some behavior that is unacceptable, it's will not be tolerated because I am a just God. And do not lie about this. You see, that's why you and I need the church. It's not something that we can take lightly. It's not something that we can just take for granted. In Exodus 19, 3 through 5, it says, And Moses went to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, This is what you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice, say obey, 
and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. So there's, there is an obligation on the part of God's people, isn't there? There's obedience and there's a covenant, and, and that covenant is that God is going to provide the lamb for us. But the, what, what you and I want to take away from that is this. Number one, that, that God has direct relationship in order to bring about our deliverance. It's a, it's a personal relation. God says, I am your deliverer. And he says that you are my divine possession. God loves us. God loves humanity. And he pulls them out. And when you think of Egypt, is there any, is there any community that doesn't show the, the strength of man's ingenuity? I mean, look at the Sphinx. Look at the, the pyramids. Look at the temple at Luxor. I mean, these guys built it big in a time way, way, way before you and I had the diesel engines we have today. If there's anybody who thought they could do something through human effort, they did. But they tried to do it without God, so they created their own gods. And if you look at it, you can see their gods. Some of them look like cats. Some of them look like dogs. They, they worship the sun. They made all... See what I'm saying? There's a stark contrast between God's way and the way of this world. And God is inviting you to his way. And that's what this... You have to be delivered. And we are through the cross of Jesus Christ. God has always used, viewed his people as inheritance. In, in, in Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, say all mankind. That's because God has always cared about all mankind. He set up boundaries for the peoples according to the numbers of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is allotted inheritance. That means that God has always cared about all of humanity. That's why he's given us life. He's given us place to live. But among them, there is a special inheritance. Now, does that mean that, that God has only loved the Jewish people? No. It means that God has loved all humanity, but not all of us are willing to enter into that covenant and that obedience and that relationship. And we look, at, we look at the nation of Israel, and some people say, well, clearly they disobeyed, and so God rejected them, he sent them off, and then they believe that the church was raised up to replace them. Baloney, malarkey, and several other wrong words. See, God is always, what it proves is this. If God's people reject God and do not live according to his standard, he has no problem with dis disciplining his people. And I believe that God is willing to discipline the church in the same way. But it does not mean the church replaced Israel. Pastor, how do you know that? Because there is a nation on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea today that is called Israel. In our lifetime, God has shown he is faithful to Israel and his covenant. It's connected in, in history, it's connected in geography, it's connected in G DNA, but those people that are Jewish that are coming to faith in large numbers, it's, it's part of that promise, okay? But the church is also part of his promise because God has always wanted to deliver people. But there's something within us, a broken, old, sinful nature that rejects God. And it's only like Peter when the Holy Spirit gives us an awareness. And if God is working in your life right now, if God is bringing an awareness in you that you need to change, thank Him, praise Him, embrace it. That's the testimony of God. God has a portion of people in this earth. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's, it's when He tells them He's about to go give His life for us, okay? 
And in the midst of that, he goes into this prayer. He prays for them because he knows they're about to go through a really hard place. But then he prays for you and I, the people that will believe in Christ Jesus in years to come. Listen to what he says here. This is Jesus' prayer. It's John 17. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I, I want the whole world to have a visible testimony of who I am, Jesus. You see, that's what the church is about. It's not about a building. It's about a people who've been called out of this world to be a visible testimony of Jesus. That means that wherever you and I go, we are a sample. We are an example. Now, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Because we know we're not perfect. But that's because we're being transformed every day. We're being changed every day. We're being renewed. These are the, this is the language of the New Testament about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. It's a continual, ongoing process of the cross being applied to that old nature. So we may confess Jesus as Lord, say, Jesus, come into my life. But the way that it's really worked out is every day when you allow the Lordship of Jesus Christ to transform the decisions you make, the behavior you have, and the people that you associate with, and you live according to Him. This is the way Jesus worked it out in his disciples, the process of, of transformation. Matthew 4, 18, 19, and 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Can I just tell you this? One of the things that I know Jesus' understanding of fishermen and fishing for people is that they use nets. That is because he was not so concerned about one at a time. You and I have some sort of rural, some sort of romantic notion of fishing of Opie and his daddy, the sheriff, heading down to the pond with their poles and throwing them in for a great afternoon. No, no, no. Jesus' example were men that were sweaty, Men that were pulling in nets. Men that were up all night. People that were fully invested. They had their whole life on the line. It was stinky. It was not nice. It was nasty. But it was boatloads of disciples. Be clear on this. It was hard work. It was in drastic circumstances. It was not going to be easy. And they let, left everything to be a part of that. And what you and I want is some sort of air-conditioned, icing-covered cake. No. Look at the testimony of the early church. It was much more wind-tossed on a sea of life, thinking that you were about to lose your life. It was fully engaged. It'll take every muscle in your body, every ounce of your brain pan, everything that you've got. Be clear. 
It was a total commitment. In Romans chapter 12, when Paul talks about it to the church, he says you will be living sacrifices every day, laying down your life. Here's the process. Leave everything, follow me, and go where I instruct. But what about me? What about my opinion? I remember asking my dad that once. It just happened once. (laughs) Come on. We have have a rover-rated idea about our own opinion, don't we? That's why I can tweet it out. Folks, some of our opinions are best held to self until further review. We have more resources for you at doylejackson.com. We will be right back with more Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, we have a great free resource we want to share with our friends. It is a copy of your great message, Great Hope, The Cross. This is going to be a PDF digital download. If they go to doylejackson.com, give us their email, it'll be sent to them. What is the value of having that message on uh, PDF as well as hearing it through the radio? Well, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, number one, we learn things best when we get to see them, when we get to hear them, and somehow when we get to be kinetically involved with them, we get our hands involved. And and that's what we want our our friends to do, because you're partnering with us. You're listening, and, and we want to give this to you. And then I'm praying that you'll pray this prayer out loud. That's part of this lesson. Uh, we go through in this lesson the, the eight things that Christ provided on the cross. He provided forgiveness. He provided healing. He provided righteousness. I'm not going to give you all eight right now. Right. you got to go right. and get it, because if you begin to pray that aloud over your life, it'll transform the way you think about Jesus and the way you think about yourself, because it transforms us to confess that aloud. We're beginning to engage with what God is is doing when we start to... Yep. to it's just like when you hear somebody quote a scripture and yep. you're like, well, I want to look it up. You're engaging even more. This is a chance to engage even more with the cross. So go to doylejackson.com, put in your email, you'll get this PDF. We believe it's going to bless your life. Let's continue with your next step. God's will for our life is for us to recognize Him as our Creator, to recognize Him as our Savior, and then how can we live to bring glory to Him? That's the point. And and, and it's our goal as His disciples to make other disciples. What did Jesus say? He said at the end of Matthew, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The key verb there is not the going. So it's not just running in circles. It's making disciples. And the reason you became a disciple was so that you could be the church, the living example, not a building, but a people. That's why you're called the church next door in this place. Every time you go to work, and I hope you go to work every day, You are to be an example of God's love, God's peace, God's hope, a sample, a living sample for them. Now, these are seven pictures of the church that I I, I want to list off for you from the book of Ephesians. All right? 
And it's just to give you an idea of the pictures that God wants us to paint. But these are all from one New Testament letter to the church at Ephesus. Number one is the assembly. Now, the reason this is important is the word here is a special word in Greek, which indicates that it's a governing body. Huh? The government shall be on his shoulders. Remember that at Christmas time? So God has a way of governing his people, instructing them on what is moral, what is right. He gets to set the standard. And so when you and I come into the body of Christ, when we sit around the the table together and we eat and we talk about life and we open up God's word and do it together, what happens is this. You, You speak into my life and I speak into yours. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that, that as a young man, I had people that look at me and said, really, do you think that's a good idea? Is that a godly behavior? See, that's what the body of Christ does. Are there people that have the, 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 the right to ask you about what you're doing with your life? The body of Christ. That means that we have unity and interdependence. It means we work together. It means the mind of Christ instructs us and that's how we live. We're called God's workmanship. The Greek word here is poema. It's where we get the word poem. It means that we are a beautiful creation. Lots of thought went into it. So the church is to be this beautiful picture. It's supposed to be a Renoir. It's supposed to be a Monet, a picture to the world of what it means to be God's people. That's why when you and I work together in the way we have, it's when, when we show up and we meet the needs of people, but when we love people, when we welcome people in and we do life together, it's a picture to the world around us. It's why in this season, we work so hard to be on TV and on radio and outside and inside and online. It's because we wanted to, we were, we've been feeding people. We've been taking care of people. We've been doing life. We are that picture for people. The next one is a family. Why a family? Because it's about obedience to the Father. It's about relationship. Family can talk to people, one another like no one else. Family gives up their life for one another. Family cares for one another. And can I say this? So many of us grew up in homes that were so broken, so twisted, so backward, so unkind. We needed a place where we were accepted and loved and and knew what the standards are. Can I tell you this? Part of the process, the difficulty in becoming a part of the church is that commitment. See, what I'm telling you is there's a covenant. There's a covenant, a life laid down. The only way this can happen is if you believe in the covenant and that you're one that's willing to lay down your life for somebody else. And is it work? Day and night, folks. Day and night. And it stinks like fishy nets. We're to be a temple That means we're to be living stones. That means the world should look at the church and see a place of hope and life and people. Not a building. We're a bride. Why do I like the term bride? Because I believe the bride talks about our personal responsibility. The bride makes herself ready is the scripture on that. But you and I know it from TV, right? Bridezilla. None of you have ever behaved that way, I know. But the bride wants everything right, don't they? This lackadaisical attitude about the church that he'll accept me whatever way I am, it's not in Scripture. God wants a righteous bride, a holy bride, a pleasing bride, a bride that's laid herself down, a bride that believes that there is right behavior worthy of a king that would give his life for us and we give our life for him. It's not sloppy. It's self-controlled and alert. 
Finally, this is the one that I think a lot of people don't like. It's called, it's the army. God wants us to be a powerful, strong people standing against the enemy. And you need to know, our world right now doesn't want to have anything to do with anything militaristic or, or like that. No, no, you could use your power for something wrong. You could use your power for something good. You can stand up against the evil that's at present in this dark world. That's what he says in that context in Ephesians. He says, take your stand, not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of powers in this dark world dark world. And then he keeps on, and when he gets to the end of it, he says, after you put on the full armor of God, a gift from God, then he says, keep praying. Keep praying. And this is what I'm asking you today. Are you really submitted to God? Are you part of the church? Is there a group of people in your life that have the ability to talk to you, to look at scripture with you, that you can look at and you can say, hey man, I was offended by what you said. And that person would say, oh, wow, I'm sorry, I offended you. And you work it out with them. Hey, are there people in your life that, that can speak to you and, and, and tell you that something's wrong and you get it right and, and, and work it out? See, we, we say we can, but are we committed to that? And that's why in this place we talk about the children's ministry. We talk about the ways you can serve and get into those. And, and we talk about small groups. I've told this story hundreds of times. I remember as a little boy, my Uncle Doyle, I'm named after him, surprised where I got my name, okay? I, I was riding in to our property. We came up the hill to where my mom and dad still live to this day, and I'd been out on a call. He was a veterinarian also. My Uncle Doyle was a veterinarian, and he was working in the practice with my dad. And I remember the day, I remember riding up the hill in his white car, and as we were coming up the hill, I said, oh, goody, Uncle Doyle, we have Bible study tonight. My Uncle Doyle has since told me it made him mad. We pulled around back into the barn and we went in and at a veterinarian's house, we always check on the animals. So we're going through checking on each case in the barn and we're putting water into the buckets. And I remember standing in the hallway where the, the water shutoff was and my uncle tells me this. I don't remember this part of it. He said, you looked up at me and you said, Uncle Doyle, if you don't get right with God, you're going to hell. I was five. <laughs> and he, he will tell me he's still alive. My uncle is in his upper 80s. And he said that was a transformative moment in his life. He knew about God, but he was not living for God. Yeah, he'd said the sinner's prayer, but he was living more like a sinner than he was a saint. He was drinking. He was, he was bad. He, he's told this himself. He says, you know you're in trouble when your five-year-old nephew has more spiritual insight into your life than you do. This is my testimony. It wasn't the five-year-old nephew. It was God's grace speaking through me when I had no idea what I was saying. No five-year-old has a concept of hell. But every once in a while, God will show up in the body of Christ and speak into your life, and it will call you to repentance. And folks, if anything has happened over the last 12 months, it should call the church to repentance. But I don't know. That's a, the jury is still out. The purpose of the church is to provide hope for the world in which we live. 
We are to be transformed into His image. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is Spirit. So what's the application point for today? Lean in to being a part of the body of Christ. Lean in to being a part of community. Make the commitment to make a covenant with God and God's people to gather with them. To let the cross become the tool to crucify the old nature, the evil that rises up within us. And do that according to the word of God and do that with your brothers and sisters. That means you'll have to make an effort to become a part of community in some way, shape, or form. Now, how will we help you? Well, as we always say, text CONNECT. Text the word CONNECT to 614-412-2144 if you need to take another step in that, and we will help you do that. But make a determination today that over the next two months, I'm not going to continue to try to do life alone. I'm going to become a part of the body of Christ. I'm going to make a commitment in some way. If this has convicted you, take a step in that direction. It will add hope and life and freedom and good news to you. Yes, it will bring some repentance too. If you want that prayer applied to your life, listen to it and say amen. Great Hope the Church is the name of this message that you have been listening to. Pastor Doyle Jackson telling us about all that God has for us in the church. Now, Pastor Doyle, the church can be a building. We use the word that way, but it's also a gathering. It's a meeting. We get together for worship. We are a family. That's right. the, The Bible has all these different words that it uses for us about, you know, being a temple, being a bride, being an army a family, God's workmanship, that's because the church is really important to God. And sometimes we look at it too small. You know, in, in the New Testament, you know, the church started by a river and Lydia's there and she she becomes a believer and welcomes everybody to her house. Today we have buildings, but I don't know, if you've never come to the church next door, in our world, you can be a part of the church digitally. Go to thechurchnextdoor.org and you can watch live. We have Three services every weekend, Saturday night at 5 p.m., Sunday morning at 9.20 a.m., and then again at 11 a.m., and you can be a part of that way. But you can come personally to the church here, uh, 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, and just come be a part of it and and see uh, what God's doing. Yeah, it is a little intimidating for some people, but you'll find it's pretty easy to come in Get welcomed, get comfortable. We are trying to receive you, not because we're trying to take something from you, but because we believe that God's family is open and welcoming, and we're simply trying to do that. So you can meet Pastor Doyle. You can meet uh, me. We would love to meet you. So think about coming and join us at the church next door. Your Next Step with Doyle Jackson is a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to help keep us on the air, visit DoyleJackson.com and click Give. That's DoyleJackson.com. You can also send a check to the church next door. Our address is 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Again, that's 5755 F-E-D-E-R Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Please put radio in the memo line. Lastly, if you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888-644-4034. That's 
4034. I'm Pastor Doug, and Pastor Doyle and I would love to see you next time for your next step.